Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is Bookin, brought to you by Quill Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is New York Times best-selling author Therese Ann Fowler. She is the author of A Good Neighborhood, A Well-Behaved Woman, and Z, a novel of Zelda Fitzgerald. Her new book is It All Comes Down to This, which is published by our friends at St. Martin's Press. Therese, welcome back to the program. It's good to be here again, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here, Therese. And first, I have asked many authors a form of this question over the past couple of years, but I am especially curious about your answer as the launch for your last book, A Good Neighborhood, happened just as everyone began to take COVID-19 seriously. My question, Therese, is how have these last couple of years been treating you? Well, you know, what you said about um, my last book launching there, right at the time things were starting to get ugly. It was literally uh, the day before the WHO declared that we were in a worldwide pandemic. So I I had my launch there, which was uh, part of the book festival that didn't happen, Mm -hmm. right, basically. And Mm -hmm. I did one more event, and then the rest of my tour also didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So it it was kind of a, I mean, as traumas go, you know, um, especially COVID traumas, a small thing, but it did kind of uh, put a damper on things for me for a while and my motivation to write, uh, thinking about how to help people find a good neighborhood when all the bookstores were basically closed to foot traffic. Um, however, I'm an optimist and I just sort of took that in stride as much as I could. And I went out and I, I wrote this other book, which we're here to talk about today. So I would have to say uh, the two years have treated me reasonably well, right? Because I did get a book produced and we're going to launch it next week with you. Yeah, fantastic. And the book launch will be here at Quill Ridge Books the day after uh, this podcast is published. Um, Excellent. Yeah, so thank you, Therese. Um, you wrote two historical novels based on very famous women, and then you wrote a tragedy that takes place in Raleigh, North Carolina, and now this novel uh, is a comedy of sorts. How easy or difficult, Therese, do you find it to jump between genres or story types? And did you find yourself in a different headspace while you were writing this novel? It all comes down to this. How easy is it to jump genres? I, I guess I just write what is interesting to me at the time. And I would like to think that Uh, most authors who are capable of writing one kind of novel are probably capable of writing most kinds of novels because the form is the form. It's just the subject matter that's different. I was writing this book starting in the fall of 2020, I guess that's right. And the original idea came to me, you know, pretty quickly and easily, and I was working on it over the winter. But early that spring, I guess late winter of 2021, I started having these weird health problems that, uh, you know, thankfully turned out to be nothing. Mm. Um, but it made me very anxious during the the portion of time when I was trying to get this book really shaped up. So you, I, I assume, are familiar enough with the book, right? There are five 
primary point of view characters. Mm. And I had one of those characters whose storyline just didn't want to work well with the others mm. and um, was, I think, very influenced by the way that my, my health issues were unfolding at that time. But because of all of that, and because of the pandemic, and because of, you know, just having written a tragedy, I wanted to make this book fun. I wanted it to be fun for me. And I wanted it to be fun for readers, even though I hope that by the time it was published, we wouldn't all be in this sort of dark place that we've been in for these last couple of years. Mm. Um, we're sort of uh, in liminal space now, I would say, when it comes mm. to things still feeling kind of dark. But I'm hopeful, and the book is hopeful. It is, and it is fun, an incredibly fun read for me. Um, you mentioned the five point of view characters. Therese, would you like to take a moment to set this book up for our listeners? Sure. So this is a story that is primarily about three sisters who were born and raised in Manhattan in a, a very much a, a you know middle-class existence there. Also, one of the husbands is a point of view character and the mother is in, but she's, I, I will say she's sort of on the periphery. And then there's one more fellow who uh, comes from, from, outside the family and he is an ex-con who is kind of the catalyst for the things that happen in this story. So it's basically the story of these three sisters in the, in the wake of their mother's death. And each one of them has a secret. And then these two guys each have a secret. And I think the fun of this book is that the reader is in on all of this uh, and gets to see what happens when ultimately things are revealed and, um, what the consequences of that will be. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Therese. Um, one thing that I found to be interesting as I was reading this novel uh, were the allusions to your other novels, um, allusions to Zelda Fitzgerald, to the Vanderbilts, etc. Yeah. When you pepper things like this throughout your novel, are you doing it consciously? In other words, are you building a Fowler verse? <laughs> I love that idea, Fowler verse. No, it, you know, I don't, I don't sit down to write and say, you know, how can I put, you know, references to my other books into my current book? That's not an, in, an intent when I'm working, but the, when the opportunities arise, it just seems to be irresistible to me. So I like that, that if there is a Teresa Ann Fowler reader out there, that they will find these little Easter eggs um, mm -hmm. that you know, refer to my earlier books and take some pleasure in that. But, you know, well-observed there, Jason. That means that you've read. Yeah, some, thank some you. Of the, some of the Fowler verse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I found it to be very enjoyable. Um, another thing that struck me as I read this novel, Therese, is the way that you completely inhabit each of these characters' psyches. And I found myself thinking one night that you, Therese Fowler, must be an incredible observer of human nature. Uh, can you tell us how you, Therese, absorb stories and observe people living their day-to-day -day lives in order to turn these stories and observations into your characters? And I realize this isn't a hard question to answer. It, I, I'm flattered, thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a way to say how you do this. I, I often describe it though as something like method acting, mm. right? So once I have a character in mind, then I need to find out how to mentally inhabit 
that character to the best of my abilities. So, that, I mean, it takes a good amount of just really thinking hard about who that character is, how they're different from me, obviously, what they think and feel and do in the situations that they're put in. And then, you know, just, I guess, magically kind of goes from my brain right up my fingertips onto the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's not helpful to aspiring authors out there. How does she do it? It's magic. <laughs> well, you never know it, maybe. Well, thank you, Therese. Uh, listeners, we are going to take a short break here for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Therese and Fowler. The Book and Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM allows you to buy audiobooks directly through your favorite local independent bookstore like Explore Booksellers. You continue to put money back into your local economy and help local bookstores thrive. Please navigate to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your local independent bookstores in the process. I'm back with Therese Ann Fowler, author of It All Comes Down to This, which is published by our friends at St. Martin's Press. Therese, there is a lot of talk about the New York Mets in this book. Uh, Why write so much about baseball and why the Mets specifically? The Mets were chosen because that would just naturally be the, the favored team of the mother's eventual husband in the story, right? He's a Long Island um, born and raised fella. And so the Mets would have been his team. Well, he could have rooted for the Yankees. Okay. But you know what? The Yankees have enough fans. So I've decided to give, you know, the Mets a couple of fans. I really love baseball. Mm -hmm. I don't write about baseball much and I don't even watch baseball much anymore, but one of the perhaps lesser known uh, facts about me in my own personal biography is that I played little league baseball. Was um, one of the first girls in the in the country to play back mm-hmm. in the late seventies. So that's when I started in the late seventies. I think it was um, the passage of Title IX legislation that even permitted the opportunity for girls to play. And so you know, it sort of was in my blood all along. Mm. I yeah, don't root for the Mets, however. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, who is your team? I don't know. I don't even have a team really anymore. So because um, my husband, John Kessel, is a Kansas City fan, I will happily root for Kansas City. Mm. And I will happily root for the Cubs, which is sort of the family team, because mm. I grew up in Illinois. Yeah, um, my son and I went to an Orioles game earlier this year, and he's decided he's an Orioles fan, which I've tried to steer him away from. Um, <laughs> There's no way to let a six-year-old know he's in for a lifetime of misery. But misery, poor kid. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> um, well, Therese, in the opening chapter of your book, you address a great deal of questions to your reader. Uh, can you talk about this authorial voice and about your decision to open your book by asking so many questions? I guess that with every novel, there has to be some what strategy to bring the reader into the story. Mm. I like writing in the omniscient perspective because it allows, you know, me, the author to 
put information out there that isn't in any particular character's point of view. Um, so it, it just makes it kind of an introduction for the reader. And then what that does is it allows you to revisit that distance between the, the narrative and the audience at other places throughout the story, uh, which allows again, opportunity to sort of demonstrate things to the reader that the characters themselves couldn't or wouldn't know. So I don't know, it just, I think it works well for the kind of story where there's a dramatic irony at work. Like I was saying earlier, you know, the reader is in on all of the secrets, but of course the characters are not. So that omniscient voice gives me, uh, it's a tool really to, mm. to tell a story in a specific way. Absolutely, thank you. Um, your character, Marty Geller, uh, learns that she doesn't have long to live. Uh, this is at the beginning of the book. This is not a spoiler. No. Um, and as such, she is able to kind of set things up for her daughters. There are positives and negatives, I think, to knowing that your time is coming versus not knowing. Uh, my question for you, Therese, is which would you prefer and why? Oh, gosh, that's a great existential kind of question, isn't it? Mm. Well, I, I have often thought that that when my time came, it would be great to not know it was about to happen uh, so that you, know, you don't have all of that anxiety leading up to it. On the other hand, uh, knowing gives you an opportunity to like throw away all of the embarrassing things like Marty does. She gets rid of things in her closet that she doesn't want her kids to know about. And then in her case to, to direct some of what happens in not so much about, about property, but about her daughter's lives. I don't know if I could have that kind of influence on my kids. So um, I have no answer for your question. I, <laughs> I don't know which I would prefer. Yeah, thanks. That's, that's a very political answer. I can appreciate <laughs> that. Um, Therese, did you, this uh, novel takes place in various locales. Uh, did you travel as you were writing this novel for research? No, it was the pandemic. I wasn't going anywhere, <laughs> but... But um, I have been mm. to the settings in this novel. And, and in fact, uh, Mount Desert Island and Bar Harbor, Southwest Harbor, Maine, are places that I visited, I'm trying to think, well, that was the summer of 2019, maybe, mm. and went back last summer, which gave me an, uh, an opportunity actually to fine tune some of the details that are in the book before the book went into production. And of course, Manhattan, is a place that I've spent a lot of time over the years now, and I have a, a strange affinity for, even though I grew up in the Midwest, and of course I live in the South. Mm -hmm. And then one of the characters, the, the middle sister, Claire, lives in Duluth, Minnesota, which was a home of mine, gosh, um, back in the 90s. So mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting, right? I just draw from the places that have kind of a emotional resonance for me, and, and then they end up in books. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, yes, we have been in a pandemic, but that certainly has not stopped people from traveling, which is why we are still in a pandemic, partially. Um, that? <laughs> uh, but you never know. Well, um, you know, speaking of various locales, what is the difference between a train station in New York and a train station in, say, Switzerland? <laughs> well, Switzerland is so clean. Uh, you could just about eat off the, the ground in a Swiss station. Also, the signage uh, is is everywhere, and it's 
easy to read. It's precise. Like if the train is delayed, I think they might be doing this now in some of the, the subway, Manhattan subways, but didn't used to be, right? So you know everything that's going on and you don't feel like, you know, somebody's going to come along and, and push you into the, the rat laden tracks at any moment. I love Switzerland. I forgot that that, that ended up in there too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you very much. You just reminded me, I just watched an episode of the television series Succession that had to do with rat laden tracks. Um, right. Yeah, it's a good show. Excellent um, show. Yeah, well, back to your character, Marty Geller. Uh, Marty observes people walking around uh, with their faces glued to their phone screens instead of observing what is going on in the world around them. Uh, smartphones are amazing, Therese, like, let's say that, but we are losing something here. Uh, what are we losing, do you think? And do you think that this type of behavior, uh, walking around with faces stuck in screens, is ever going to change? Like, will the newness of this technology ever wear off, or are we just stuck here for good? Wow, that's a, a really terrific question. I mean, I find it so interesting when I am out and about you know, whether it's at a restaurant or, you know, when I'm traveling to observe how many people really are not present in their life at any given moment and how these little devices have become the, the tool that fills in all of that extra headspace we used to have. Now, I love a smartphone for times when I need you know, those tools. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that we've lost a lot actually in being present. So maybe it's because I have to observe people in order to, you know, do the work that I do. But I also think that, that it becomes like a conscious decision to be more present in our lives because we don't know when the end is coming. We're not all like um, Marty Geller who knows that, that her end is near. And, um, I guess maybe when we're dead, it doesn't matter because you know we aren't <laughs> we aren't assessing our lives. But uh, for my money, I think that that we would all do better to use our phones less. And I am hopeful because I'm an optimistic person that that will be a realization. I've noticed actually, like some young people are getting more cognizant of that. I don't know. Have you observed that? You know, like the the phones go away when they're like gathered together they mm -hmm. have like a, a rule now you know nobody, yeah. nobody on the phone while, while we're together yeah i have observed it in social situations but also have observed you know walking around north hills here where Coleridge books is located everyone just walking along the sidewalks looking at yeah. their phones um as like Hootie and the Blowfish or whatever is piped in through the north hills speakers <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting um well, thank you, Therese. Finally, uh, and we have barely delved into this wonderful book. Listeners, I have to tell you, uh, I've read and loved all of Therese's books. This book is my favorite of hers. I couldn't put Aww, it down. Um, and I have, a yeah, thank you for writing it. I have a lot of other books to read, um, but this one, um, as my friend Sue from page 158 Books in Wake Forest wrote, uh, this one's going to stay with me. Uh, but finally, Therese, your last two books have taken place, at least partially, um, in the Carolinas. Um, have you fully embraced being a Southern author, capital S, capital A, or do you consider yourself a citizen of the world? I know here in Raleigh, we like to claim you. 
Uh, I love that I am an author in the South. I don't know if, if the South broadly has claimed me. Uh, that would be lovely if mm -hmm. it were true. I'm, can I be both? Can I be capital S, capital A, auth Southern author and a citizen of the world? You can be both, but I know here at Coral Ridge Books, we are going to continue to claim you uh, as thank one of our own. You. Yeah, well, thank you, Therese, and thank you for writing this wonderful <laughs> book. Listeners, I've been speaking with Therese Ann Fowler, author of It All Comes Down to This, which is published by our friends at St. Martin's Press. Therese, thank you so much for joining me. Such a pleasure, Jason, and I'll see you soon. You will. Once again, I would like to thank Therese Ann Fowler for joining me. Signed copies of It All Comes Down to This can be ordered from www.quailridgebooks.com with free shipping. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. Get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Booking.